Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Do you ever have that moment when you had like really, really high hopes for something or someone and you were completely let down? Like perhaps somebody told you about this brand new restaurant, like it's super good and the food's like amazing and you get there and it's like not good. In fact, it's like overpriced and cold. You didn't like totally even like it or... Maybe it's your sports team. Like you had such hope for your sports team and they're doing amazing all regular season. We get to the playoffs. You're one game from the championship and they lose. Or maybe you have trusted somebody. Like someone's put promises to you and you believed in them. You trusted them and they let you down. We've all been there in some shape or form, right? I mean, throughout our lives, we have always had someone at, at some time in our life hurt us, let us down, unmet expectations perhaps. I had that in January of 2017. I had my own moments. I had this bucket list dream. I wanted to run the Disney Marathon. Now, for all the runners out there, I mean, if you're not a runner, you're like, who wants to run a marathon little at all? I get it. But for us runners, the Disney Marathon is this big, huge thing. Like It's like this big party all through Disneyland and our, our family's kind of Disney people. We enjoy that kind of stuff. And so I had this bucket list. If I could go to one of the biggest races in the world, run the Disney marathon, run through all the parks, it was going to be amazing. And so we made a decision to do that. And so I started training and training is hard. I mean, you have to put your everything into it. Like long runs, like I go on these long runs, my whole weekend shot because I'm just training, training, training. And then my wife started preparing and planning and we started putting all of our pieces together for this big, huge trip for the next year. It was a lot of work. And we even went to the part of, we bought a new car. I mean, it was a used old car, but it was a car big enough to fit our entire family. So now the dream of running a Disney marathon has now turned into the big, huge, audacious family vacation. So the big day came. We we worked hard. I did all my training. I'm ready to go. We packed the car the night before. And before the sun was even up the next day, woke up everybody. I'm excited. I can't sleep. Packed everybody into the car and then began the trip. We're driving down the freeway. Kids are complaining. Awesome family vacation has already it's just begun. So we get across the Wisconsin-Illinois border and our car starts surging back and forth surging like it's going fast and slow and fast and slow and here we are across the border on 94 south just there and the car starts to fail us so we get off and we were able to find a place and i I get out like a walmart parking lot it's freezing this isn't january and stupid me didn't pack a coat in a place i could get i'm going to florida right what do i need a coat for so maybe i got one stuffed away but i couldn't get to it so i'm out there freezing looking around the car like what could this possibly be and trying to figure it out i'm googling and all those kind of things and it starts to set in i don't think we're gonna make it like our schedule was so tight like every day on our way to get down there would have put us off a pace of something and the longer we waited the more the reality that this trip isn't going to happen. And so this grinding sickness inside of my stomach of how I'm letting everybody down. Like I've failed 
everybody. I failed my family. I failed myself. Like I had this weight on me about this and it was just making me literally sick to my stomach. Well, we're able to get to a shop that opened. Our first shop opened early in the morning. We make a phone call. We get over there. We connect up with a guy. He comes in and he gives us the bad news. He says, there is a problem with one of your sensors. Now, we can get the sensors fixed, but it's going to be a few days. They had to order it. It was, it was it. Here I am stuck in North Chicago, so hundreds of miles away from Florida, stuck with my family, and it was over. All the training, all the planning, all the sacrifice, tickets already purchased, money lost. I mean, all of it there. And I was angry. Now, I'm not typically an angry person by nature. I mean, I this is not kind of who I am. But all I saw was anger and rage. And I was so mad. And I didn't like turn to God. I didn't start, I didn't start to pray. I didn't think through my possibilities of what could be done. All I felt was fear and anger. I was so mad. Well, the technician comes out. We find out this. He, there's a workaround. He can rig it for us. It could work. It could get us to Florida and back. We'd have to get it taken care of later. But if we need to go, he could find a way to do it. And there, my life like just exploded with joy. I'm like, okay, this is great. We're five hours late. You know, we can grind through the drive and stuff and attitude switch. I'm like, yeah, let's go. And, and all these wonderful things. And so here we are. We're five hours behind, but we're back on the road. And I got to run the race. We had the big family vacation with lots of memories. But you're probably saying like, okay, how's this an unmet expectation, Jason? Like you got to run the race. Everything happened. It's happy in the end. Yes and no. Because... I had this thought in my heart of what I wanted. And when I didn't get what I wanted, my immediate reaction went to anger and fear. Like, it wasn't even close. And I'm embarrassed about the way I acted in front of my family. I'm embarrassed about how I handled it. So now this beautiful story I have, one of my treasured bucket list moments with the medal and the posters hung up in my office. It's so exciting. It also has this memory attached to it. That when I was met with an unmet, when I had this expectation that wasn't met for me, I went to fear and rage. That's with me for the rest of my life. And when we are let down, fear jumps in. And fear then starts to grip us. When Jesus came, there's a lot of confusion about him. And many felt that he was letting people down as well. They had expectations they put on him, and even his own disciples believed this. They had his these expectations of who the Messiah is going to be, what he was going to do for them, and what it would look like for them to follow Jesus. So these disciples, if this is something new to you, there's these motley group of, of men who are following him, and Jesus picks the most, it seems, random people in the world to come and be part of what his movement was. And what was cool about it is that then when he died and he rose again and he ascends in heaven, he hands the mission that he had over to his disciples. He said, okay, I've trained you now to go and this is what I'm handing you. But these people were just ordinary Joe Blow people like us. Nothing special, nothing fancy, just regular people, everyday people. But they walked with him. They, they toured with him. They saw him. They watched how he responded in all these different situations. And they got to see it firsthand. Because as the Jewish people that they were, 
they had these expectations of the Messiah. They, and Jesus always had to keep changing it, like over and over again. He had to correct what, what they were thinking because they were taking their world view of things and they're placing it on him. And they are taking what they had heard about Messiah and they're putting it on Jesus. And Jesus had to keep changing that because Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God. They were talking about, the, the disciples talking about the kingdom of Israel. So let me give you some backstory here so you understand a little bit what's going on. The Jewish people believed the Messiah would come and that when he would come, he would save them. But Israel is always in some sort of war or turmoil. So the people of God here, when we, we start to see them brought together, and then war is splitting them apart because they're disobedience. So over and over again, God's allowing this community to be conquered. And as they're conquered, they're split apart. And then they have just this inability to be able to be connected and worship together as people. And so throughout the Old Testament, you see this back and forth, back and forth. God correcting his people. They repent. Things happen. But God is working with them. So then we move into the time of Jesus. And the time of Jesus, uh, it's the same thing. But now Israel is conquered by Rome. So Rome is the superpower that's got pretty much over everything in the area. And Israel is a part of that. They allowed the Jewish people to have their own religious freedoms. They could even have their own culture. However, Rome still ruled them. And they had to pay taxes to them. And we all know how we feel about taxes, right? So here you have all this going on in the background of what's happening. Israel is once again captive to somebody. Once again, there's an issue. And when we see Jesus, he's placed into the middle of this. So when you, if you've heard stories or when you read the Bible or you've seen maybe some of the Easter story, why Roman people are involved, that's why Rome ruled the land of the time. So when Jesus came, the thought would be, okay, well, he's going to save us from Rome. Well, that makes sense, right? Like the Messiah is going to come, we're going to free them, and he's going to bring all the religious and all the power politically back to us. He is the one who's going to save us. So their belief was this. This Messiah was going to return them back to the glory days of King David. And King David was the most notorious of all the kings. They're like a, a, like a superhero among the Jewish people. And if you've ever heard the story of David who, who slays this big monstrous man, man called uh, Goliath, David and Goliath, if you've ever heard of that story before, this is the same guy. That's King David. When he was a young boy, he did that. Then we see all of his different escapades and what he has throughout his life. But if you're interested more in that story, you can read it in 1 Samuel chapter 17. So the new Messiah is supposed to be the new David. And so Jesus comes walking onto the scene and everyone's excited because now he is going to save them. Now, as you can imagine, there's rumbling. So rumbling, some people are talking, Messiah is coming, he's going to save us. And Rome is hearing this. Rome is catching the wind of what's going on of, is this going to be a revolt? Are they going to start to band together and revolt against us? And is this going to be the leader to do that? Because they don't know what's going on with the Jewish people and the hope of the one of Messiah who's going to save them. And so now you've got the Roman people saying, okay, what is the deal with this Messiah? And so everything that's going on here is a revolt. Uh, is he the one to save us? Do we have power back in, back in Israel? And Jesus was put on a cross and he was crucified. It was at that moment that everything changed. Because the Jewish leaders 
wanted Jesus dead because they believed he was teaching a blasphemy, a wrong teaching about God. That Jesus is teaching this beautiful message of love and this message of God's forgiveness. But then the religious leaders are faced with this idea of religion and rules. And they this came head to head. And But the rules weren't teaching about the kingdom of God. They were teaching about these religious, ridiculous things that didn't need to be done. But Jesus comes and wipes those all out and says there's a new way to do things. They wanted him dead. The Roman people are like, we don't want this guy around. Like, he's some zealot or some guy out here, like, making a big ruckus. And now we've got a guy bringing the Jewish people together to revolt against us. They don't want him around. They want him out. And then the disciples who believed and they followed him, they had an expectation. They thought this was going to go on forever, but then he was murdered. He was gone. It was over. All three of these groups had expectations on Jesus, and all three of them were wrong. The disciples of Jesus walked, talked, learned, ate meals with him, watched him for three years, was in his life. They didn't get it. And in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, in this passage, we're going to see here a little bit of how these disciples were just not getting it, even to the very end. They just had these expectations they kept putting on him over and over again, and Jesus corrects them once again. So Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, says this, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Did you catch that? Did you catch it? Like, this is one of the last questions that they're going to have. Like, one of the last questions. And he says, okay, Lord, are you now going to take over Israel? Is now our time? Like, okay, we did all this. Uh, you died. You rose again. You came to us. Okay, and so now when you go you're going to bring all the power back to Israel, right? Like, they still didn't get it. They still had the expectation on Jesus that he never said he was going to do. That's not what he came to do. But because they had the expectation, they couldn't get past it. And so here they are asking him once again. Expectations, friends, are so dangerous. Expectations, believing that something's going to happen or believing that something should be a certain way. They put false truths in our heads. They make us believe something that's not necessarily true. When my car broke down, I had all my expectations. We're going to be here at this time. We're going to do this and this X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. And when that crushed, my immediate thing was to freak out and to basically lose it. I had this expectation that was broken, but it puts false things in our head. That's, it's not fair. And when we put it on somebody, it's very dangerous. Very dangerous. Because it's something that we are putting on somebody else. So throughout all of the ministry of Jesus, his disciples are constantly trying to take what they think and realign with what Jesus had said. And this was this constant back and forth. And Jesus keeps correcting them. No, no, no. And once again, he corrects them. Because it's very clear. Jesus was not interested at all on setting up some sort of powerful political kingdom. That was not the intention of why he had come. He had come to bring God's kingdom to earth. That was why he came. He came to seek and save those who were lost. 
not create something that's full of all these weird rules and all these like odd ways of things. He came to seek and save the lost. Jesus, we have to see what he was doing here. It wasn't about politics. It was about the kingdom of God. So he redirects them in this passage. So Jesus redirects them and he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You are going to go and take my mission out. And so he redirects them. You're going to go out and you're going to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. You're going to make disciples both right here where you guys live. You're going to go out a couple levels and you're going to do it throughout the world. Like we're sitting here today because these men took the mission of Jesus forward. So he's saying this, you got all this drama around you guys. You got the politics, you got the drama, you got all this. Don't worry about that stuff, man. Don't worry about the restoration of Israel to a political superpower. Worry about the kingdom of God. That is what's important to us. We must take this message of hope out into the world. That is your mission as a follower of Christ as well. It's so easy to get distracted with everything going on, especially right now in this hot spot of political COVID-19, angry tweets, angry Facebook messages to get caught up in all this stuff. I get it. I get it. But I just want to encourage you with what our Lord Jesus Christ said. He tells us that our focus is the kingdom of God. I'm not saying we aren't inter interacting with our culture. I'm not saying to not be interacting with politics. That's not the point, guys. That's not, you know what I'm saying, right? Hear me. What I'm saying to you is that our purpose and our focus as a follower of Jesus Christ is advancing the kingdom of God forward. Finding, helping, seeking, loving, lost people. That's what Jesus came to do. That's what he came to do. And now he says, all right, men, okay, all of us in year 2020, my followers, Bring the kingdom of God into where we live, into our communities, into our state, into our country, and out into the world. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But what's really interesting is that disciples had a lot of unmet expectations. Another unmet expectation, this is one that even sits with us today that you may or may not have, is when Jesus said that he was coming back. So he promises, like, hey, I'm coming back. And the disciples believed it, and the followers believed it. But what they believed is that it would be immediate, like, in their lifetime, like, within a couple of years. Like, okay, this is all going to happen. We spread the message of Jesus, and he's coming back, and he's taking us all home. So when Jesus returns in his promise, we see in the scriptures, he doesn't come back the way he came. He comes back now as a conquering king. He comes back as the one who's going to end and vanquish sin forever. He comes back like a warrior. He comes back as he should be and honored and cherished. He is the God of the universe coming back, and he's coming back to wreck shop. He's coming back to bring his people home. And so when Jesus returns, it's very different than the first time he came. And so that's what they believe. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back soon. We got this. We just got to hold out a little bit longer. But he didn't. And they didn't. And he still hasn't. And a lot of problems were happening because of it. So back then, 
people were talking and there's this other teachings, this false teachings that were coming that saying, see, Jesus isn't really the son of God. Where is he? He said he was coming back. They would teach it was falsehood. They were teaching all these odd things out there and changing the real true story of what Jesus had said. And so much so that Peter had to address it in 2 Peter 3, 3 to 4. It says this, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their evil own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has, has since the beginning of creation. So people are coming and saying, where is this God? Right? It happens today. You know, we the, where's Jesus? If God's real, how come this is happening? Like we have all these like, where's God in the moments of all these things? And so we have an expectation that God's going to respond the way that we want. And so uh, Peter responds to it. He's like, look, you're saying, you're making fun of it and saying, like, look, life goes on, nothing's changed. Where is this God? But he gives us a perspective to change it in 2 Peter 3, verses 8 through 9. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Peter insists that we can't have human demands on the promises of God. He's not slow in keeping his promises. He has a schedule, and he's not going to be late to it. How can you be late to the schedule that he creates? So the expectation, then, when we see slowness, is like, well, God, I want this now. Like, why aren't you coming now? Why aren't you doing this now? Why aren't you answering my prayers now? Because Jesus is is showed patient. We're seeing God's patience and love that, that all would come to know him. It's a completely different viewpoint. So I think there's something here that we can see that's, that's huge. God's love for us is clear. Our expectations on him are wrong. God's patience with us is clear. Our expectations on him are our own. And so when these two are coming to clash, it creates a faith that's very brittle and cracks. And your faith is built upon something that's not strong because you don't know the promises of God. And then, so then when we don't get what we want, we don't see what we want. God doesn't do what we want. We see things the way that we see them. We place them on him and say, why are you doing these things? We put it on him, even though he never said he was going to do it. We just think he should. Now think of how many people have lived since the beginning of time and how many people are alive now and how each of us probably have our own expectations of what God's going to do for us, through us, with us, or whatever, which is what we want. And over time, God has always remained the same, yet humans continue to change. So even though we have it, it's not fair to put any expectations on the God, the universe. But I think there's a piece to this. A piece of this is that we live in a very fast, instantaneous culture. I mean, what's more instantaneous than the microwave? You know, you got something completely frozen, throw it in. It's, you know, it's kind of, it's still always cold in the middle, right? But boiling on the outside is cold in the middle. We can heat stuff up in a matter of minutes versus before where it would take much longer. You think of how easy it is to communicate. I mean, a simple text message right now, I can text you. And if I don't get a response back, 
I'm like, why don't you read my text? What's going on? Are you ignoring me? And I'm looking at my phone saying, why are there little bubbles there? Like, are you writing? Is he typing? What's going on? And I'll go, why aren't you getting back to me? And we become irritated that we don't get that instantaneous communication. We want it fast when I want it, when I want it. Think about your internet. Now, this is one of my things. Like, I can't stand slow internet. The glitching. The, the, when you should be going fast, a page loading, like it's taking forever. Like, why is this thing not loading? Or I click on a button and things are freezing. I just like, come on. Like, I'll gotta go, go reset your router. I'm frustrated. And like, we don't, we just want stuff immediately as fast as we can. And for all of us a little bit older Gen X and boomers, hey, we remember when internet, you had to dial it up through your landline phone on America Online. You want to talk about delays. You want to talk about how long it took to download one picture of a koala bear. You know, it took like forever as it's like line by line getting this data through a phone line. But now everything is so fast. I want it now. Things have changed. Things have changed in a big way. And we maybe become so accustomed to this, guys, that we now start to think that God should respond the same way. Like, I want you to respond quickly. Adam and Eve. Okay, God, why don't you fix it right away? Why'd you wait so long? Why'd you just, okay, Adam and Eve, sin, got it. Like, let's just fix the problem. Humanity's saved. We, maybe you should have done that a little bit quicker. But God is a story of a redemption from Genesis to Revelation. And God is on his perfect time. And to us, it's probably feeling pretty slow. God is not a microwave God. He doesn't speed things up because you want him to do it. That's an expectation that you've placed on him. God does it in the right time, on his time, the way that he wants to do it. Think of God as like a nice home-cooked meal, right? Like you can have a beautiful roast, potatoes, carrots. Like you have this beautiful meal. It's done up really nice. And it just, I mean, just the perfection and the taste. And I mean, it's just so delicious, a good meal. And then you got TV dinners where you have like a piece of leather, like with some brown juice stuff on it and peas that are like all like nasty and like mashed potatoes that are probably like just like cotton balls, like dipped in butter. Like, you know, like it's just not good. I would take that home cooked meal every single day, but it takes time. It takes time. But it might even cause some frustration. It might cause you to have to be patient, but it's good when it's at the right time to be ready. Not too soon, not too late, at the right time. That's how our God deals with us. How do we combat unmet expectations with God? Right now, there's something right now for you. I want to give you just a, a few seconds to think about this. What expectation have you unfairly placed on God? Like, there's something that you really believe should have, he should do, like you placed something and then you look and blame him for it or are frustrated with him for something that's there. What is it? Take a second. Do you have something in your life? Have you placed some sort of expectation on God? It's unmet and now you're frustrated. Maybe it's not now. Maybe it was the past. I don't know, but what I do know is that our expectations that we place is not correct. Even though we believe God is supposed to do something the way we want to do it, when we have those things, and we all do, I have them, 
I have one right now, like I'm struggling, working through and trying, I'm talking to God about it. Like there's an expectation here and it's not fair because God never said he was going to do what I want. Like he never said that anywhere, but he's the God of the universe and his timing is right. And his, his, everything he does is right in his place. How do we deal or how do we cope when we have unmet expectations with God? I think there's two things I want to talk about this morning that I think will be helpful. First, we have to know him and we have to know what he said. Like we can't just make stuff up. Like you think like, okay, God, like you're supposed to do this because I really want you to, but you don't even know like what his promises are in the scriptures or who he really is. We don't really know him. So then we start to make things up about him. Like maybe you thought like when you became a believer or maybe you think this now and you're not a believer and you're thinking, if I become a follower of Jesus Christ, boom, man, my life is going to get so much better. My problems are going to go away and like everything's great and, and it didn't happen. Well, it doesn't happen that way because actually God says following doesn't make your life easier. He says it's going to cost us our life. Like, but you have an expectation of like, oh, it's going to be awesome and like sunflowers and raindrops. Like, that's not how it is. Life is still life. Following Christ now gives us a purpose and a reason to live a life worthy of the calling that we are called to, to be a follower of him. So it doesn't get easier. It costs us everything, but we have answers because we follow the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of the world. So if there's an expectation that it's not met, you might be really frustrated. Or perhaps you believe that God should be blessing. Like if I do good things, God's going to bless me. If I pray hard, God's going to bless me. And by blessing, I'm talking about like, I'm going to get paid more. I'm going to get that promotion. Like I'm going to have a God, you know, the more I do for God, the more money I'm going to have in my account. My 401k is going to get bad or whatever it is. Like if I do good things, then God pays me back. Kind of like a genie. Like God is this rub the bottle genie and you get three wishes. And every time I keep praying, give me three more. Like Maybe that's a little bit of your story and you have an unmet expectation. And believe me, there are many people who follow Christ who believe that. And, and maybe that's you. That if I do good things, God's going to give me good things. He's going to pay me back. Kind of like a... Right now, God blesses the way that he wants to bless. He does what he wants. He's the God of the universe. But I want to be clear. He owes us nothing. Like, God literally owes us nothing. Like, we have to really understand what he said. He said, if you want to follow me, you got to give up everything. Like, you don't get to get more. Like, we are, we give up more. We're more generous. You want to follow me? That's what you got to do. And Jesus says that to a, a rich young ruler who comes and talks to him in his ministry. And he's like, what do I got to do? And he's like, sell everything and come follow me. He's like, I'm not going to do that. And he walks away sad. Like, that's the kind of Jesus that we're talking about. Know what he said. Know who he is. And so when you have that expectation, you feel yourself getting frustrated, place it up against the word of God and who he is versus what you want. Finally, I must remember he works on his time and not ours. God's time is the perfect time. We talked about this before. God's time is on the perfect time. And if it feels long to us, if it feels like you're not answering, it's not him, it's us. Like, would you be okay praying for something for, I don't know, a month? A year? Would you keep praying for something for two years? Five years? Ten years? Twenty? Thirty? Like, where's your breaking point of, like, God, you're not listening to me? Or, God, like, when, when do you get to that point of, like, God, you obviously are saying something. What if, what if God just says no? 
Like, but what if that after 40 years that thing comes to fruition? Like, and God says, okay, I'll answer that prayer now. What what do we believe that God has to microwave us all the time into our timing and our what we believe is the right time? We have to remember he works on his time and not on ours. Recognize our impatience and our instantaneous desires and look at him for who he is. God's timing is always perfect because it's in his time. Our time, we want things instantly, but it doesn't mean it's going to be right. It'll be wrong. So remembering that helps us with our unmet expectations. Because thousands of years ago, Jewish people were waiting for Messiah. And like, when's he going to come? When's he going to come? Why is the Messiah coming? Is he really going to come? And all these questions are floating out there. When is this Messiah going to come save us? And he's going to come like this. And he, they had all these thoughts and ideas out there of Messiah. And then Jesus came. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to earth. And like, this ain't the Messiah. Like, he's not the right one. He's not coming to save us from Rome. He's not the one with the political power. He's not, he's not, this is the right guy. Because they had these unmet expectations on him. And then his own disciples, his own disciples believe he's going to be some big military power, like he's going to be some superpower. And then, wait, then, okay, he's going to come back. But when he comes back, he's coming back really soon. And they had all these expectations they placed on him, all because something they believed, something they placed on Jesus. And now, in our time, we're waiting. We're waiting for his return. When you coming, Jesus? When you coming? I mean, it's a great topic to talk about. And we, we, we say, get ready for it. And we're on the mission of God. That's what we're supposed to be doing, focusing on the mission of God. Because he's going to come when he comes, when he wants to. Our focus is on the mission of God. But we wait. Will it happen when I'm alive? Will it happen next week? Is this the beginning of end times? We have all these questions. But his timing is going to be perfect. Because when he comes, it will be perfect. Friends, our unmet expectations are exactly that, expectations. They're things that we placed on God. But when we know his promises, we know what he said, we know who he is. At the same time, remember that God works in his timing. He works on his pace. His pace and his timing is always good. It changes everything. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.